Welcome to Created for Connection, a podcast that explores the ways we become disconnected in life, but how God brings us back into connection with himself and others. In today's episode, we interview Kristen Parker, a family advisor who is passionate about families taking purposeful steps toward greater connection. We're going to dive into some of the complicated elements of family, as well as some tangible ways you can grow closer to your own family, even over the holidays. To everyone listening, we're glad you're here. Welcome to Creative for Connection. I'm your host, Paul McMullen, and I'm here with my co-host, Kevin Shelby. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing okay. Um, you know, I, in full transparency today, we're talking about families and how we're doing as families and what we can be doing better. And so, uh, a list, right? Big list. Well, yeah, this morning, um, I'm questioning my parenting because this morning I got up and my youngest daughter has taken on Elfie. This is the first year that she, the elf on the shelf. This is the oh. first year that she doesn't believe in Santa Claus. And so she's doing the elf on the shelf for our youngest son, Zane. Yeah. For, for all the kids that are listening, we, we are not uh, saying that his daughter is correct in, in this belief. <laughs> right. She just doesn't believe anymore. So she's doing elf on the shelf. And, uh, and I get up this morning and um, my wife is like, have you seen what Millie did for elf on the shelf? And so I'm going to show y'all what she did. And you're going to question my parenting as well. Okay. So I'm seeing, an, is that a, is that the elf or is that a Barbie doll? That <laughs> It's an L it's, it's Elfie, our, our elf on the shelf in a bed with a Barbie doll kissing him on the cheek and another Barbie Aww. doll sitting on the bed. <laughs> I don't even know where she came up with this, so this but it, is, uh, it's scandalous. This is a romantic. And then we've got a baby Yoda. Those are our two <laughs> elves that have been commissioned by Santa. This morning, they brought donuts to the family, which is nice. Oh, uh, wow. Not health wise, but it was nice otherwise. Wow. And they have dressed up as Harry Potter characters. They have gotten into our pantry and, and made a mess <laughs> one night anyway it's exciting at our place too but we haven't gotten scandalous like at your house well i i just want to say it it is it's not because millie is being scandalous she's totally innocent it's just you know as an adult when you come in and you look at it you see it differently so she sees it as totally innocent uh, yep. which is even funnier you know but yeah. Uh, but I I thought that would be humorous to show you guys this morning. So, but maybe we should introduce Kristen who can straighten us out, right? <laughs> yes. Well, welcome Kristen Parker to the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. So Kristen, we met uh, earlier this year at our church upper room and you were teaching a class on family and we we just had a great time. Julie and I had a great time learning from you and from your husband, Ben. And so uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Okay. Yeah, so my background is in um, change management consulting, which is kind of the relational side of business consulting. Until I had a family, I had three kids in under three years, which kind of took me away from that because uh, wow. I was traveling. So that became my next season of um, a focus. And coming out of that, because my kids are now graduating college, I, um, and it, this started, gosh, a while back, but I shifted my demographic to the, the people I was most passionate about and the entity I was most passionate about, which instead of corporate America, I, I shifted to families. Um, and I felt like there was a lot of tools and resources that we were using to help corporate teams that families could benefit from. So I guess I would say what I, what I most, the easiest way to describe what I do is to bring relational health to families through a relational health operating system. And I work with family systems, family enterprises, and also mentoring and coaching uh, individuals. So you're like a counselor. 
No, I knew you were going to say that, Kevin. No, <laughs> you're the counselor. Um, I am not a counselor. I'm much more on the practical side. You know, I like to say, this is how I like to describe it. Obviously, counseling, you go to look at your past. I take people forward into their future, helping them think through how to how to approach the future. So, And, and I would imagine what you're doing is is it would work well in conjunction with a counselor who is yes. helping people process pain, things like that. And then it's like, okay, now what do we do with, what yeah. do we do moving forward? Yes. It, it's, it's, you know, counseling, as you know, we need to address pain and wounding and things like that to get healing. But then there's some practical things that can really be applicable as you come out of that building a new foundation. So I like, yeah, I, I do like partnering with counselors. That's awesome. And so officially, I asked you about this. You're an advisor. You you call yourself mm -hmm. an advisor for families. Mm -hmm. Kind of take on that coaching consulting hat, but in in that advisory role. And mm -hmm. I love that description. There's a lot of different ways that one can describe that <laughs> the work, and yes. it all seems to overlap. Um, yes. And it all kind of, everyone ends up saying at the end of the day, oh, so you're a counselor anyway, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm not. So I, I really am interested in what got you into that process. Also, you know, it, you started in the business world in, in, in consulting, and I want to hear about that. But maybe if we could start a little bit earlier, um, mm -hmm. could you tell us some about what family was like for you growing up and and maybe how that plays into your passions or your sense of calling for today. Yes, um, I'm glad you asked that question because that really is where I think my training started. And I think that's true for a lot of us. We kind of overlook the value that our family system brings to us. Um, mine, my experience in family wasn't that positive. I actually had a very dysfunctional relationship specifically with my mom. I was the oldest of four girls and my youngest sister was 11 years younger than me. So when I, to give you an idea of the span, I graduated from college and then I had a sister graduate from high school, grades, middle school and grade school all the same year. So my mm. mom was really stretched and my mom's approach, it felt very chaotic to me. And she, as the oldest, she was really leaning heavily on me to help, but I didn't like how she was doing things. So we just, we just were, and there were some other reasons too, but we just, we were, we had a contentious relationship. Yeah. So what, um, so you were the oldest child and you took on a lot of that responsibility, but mm -hmm. you know, that, that resulted in you guys butting heads a lot. So she sounds like she was really stressed out and then she was like kind of <laughs> putting a little bit of that stress in your world too. And you were pushing back a little. Yes. And I, you know, she leaned on me and I, you know, I, I kind of pushed back as well. And I always thought, you know, um, I want to, I want to solve the problem. Like I wanted a better relationship. We never did go to counseling because I don't think they valued it in that, in that day and time. Um, but I was leaving for college and I, wanted some, I was leaving, I was going out of state, you know, leaving a lot of my young siblings behind and just feeling like, okay, I wanted some, I wanted to make sure I was, had a good foundation. And, and I, I think I was, I was lacking some confidence and I was like, can I do this? You know, just the uncertainty of, of that decision. So we did not have internet. We didn't have cell phones. I had to do research to find uh, something that I could go through. I, I, it's funny looking back. I am very much a process oriented person. My favorite quote with the work I do is the process takes the pressure off the person. So when you're in a process, it's nice because if you want to make change in your life or do something to, to, you know, shift your trajectory, it's one thing to have a focus of what you want, but it's another thing to know, how am I going to get there? And it's hard when you are so emotionally attached to wanting an outcome, but then you have no idea how you're going to get there. So I think having a process to lean into and trust is, is, is really helpful for that. So I, I think in the back, like without even being able to articulate that early on, I was looking for a process and I found one. And so my parents said, okay, it was in Wichita Falls, Texas. And it was pretty intense. We went for three 
full days and they went with me and it was like this intensive. It's the first time they even opened it up to 18 year olds because kind of had to have life issues to go. <laughs> it was pretty heavy. And then I actually went to the second part, which was four more days in Dallas. And I felt like it did something to kind of give me a foundation for going off to school. Um, that I, was the I, process. Yeah. When your parents went with you and uh -huh. it's to this, you, you kind of like, they're, they're following their 18 year old daughter, uh -huh. oldest daughter to this three day counseling uh -huh. seminar in which all and just knowing like, you know, go, even the idea of going to counseling has been a growing uh, cultural idea that's become more acceptable. That's, you know, you're not just mm -hmm. completely crazy to need counseling, but I'm just imagining um, what, what was it like for them to show up and to talk about emotions and what's wrong? Like, how, do, how did they respond? Were they like stoic and like closed off or did they really jump in? Well, it was a huge group of people. So, it, and then you'd get in these triads and things like that. And there were a lot of different, um, I wouldn't say games, but like exercises that they would set up for us to do. And a lot of it was going back to your relationship with your mom and your dad and from childhood and all that. And um, honestly, they came out of that first weekend way more of a cheerleader of this process than me, just because they got so much out of it. Like my mom became the biggest cheerleader for the seminar even though she didn't even go to the second half. So it was kind of funny to see how they really were blessed by it, but they actually were they, had, I'm sorry, but were there, were there other parents there? I mean, was it for families or was it for the, no, the no, it really wasn't. It was for individuals like that really needed to address some major things. And they were like going to really work through something. So mm -hmm. this is kind of like group counseling, but um, you'll appreciate what it was when I tell you who kind of um, devised the whole seminar. So fast forward, I have my second child, I've, you know, got the TV on in the background and I'm watching it and it's, it's in the middle of the day and Oprah's on and I'm looking at the TV kind of like distracted feeding my child, but looking at the TV kind of like, wait, who is that? I, I recognize that person. That's so interesting. And I'm like, how, have, how would I have known this, this guy? And it turns out it was Dr. Phil. And I just flashed back to being 18 with Dr. Phil in my face because it was his seminar. He no was the way. one that devised the whole thing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, well, at least I learned from the best. <laughs> I found the right place. Um, and it did. I think it really did set me in a good it gave me a good foundation for that next season of life and just showed me early on the value of going through a process to be intentional, to go, okay, I want to do this. Well, I want to do this good. I want to, I really want to, um, I want to, I want to be intentional. That's amazing. So, so you're, you're connected back to Dr. Phil. That, I mean, we're good buds now. No, I'm kidding. That's a, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you can get him on our podcast too. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you, you had this experience where you were given these tools mm -hmm. and that kind of took you through college mm -hmm. and, and into early married life. And then you had this family, right? And so you've got this moment where you're looking at Dr. Phil, you're remembering back. Uh -huh. And I'm sure that like whatever tools you were given then, you know, they didn't necessarily prepare you to have a family. And that started you into, I guess, thinking about what would it look like to, to develop some processes in regards to my own family. Right. Yeah. I think that I didn't know it at the time, but just, I, you know, there are a lot of processes out there, right? Like, like going through college is a process like applying for college is a process. Um, if you have a bigger need, like an addiction, AA is a process. Um, counseling is, is a process. So there's a lot of options out there to like, you know, it can be proactive or reactive, right? But I like to think about it in terms of a process. So going back to like just business consulting and shifting the families, um, feeling the, the value at recognizing early on the value in that I thought, okay, can we create processes to give families quick wins? Because I felt like, yes, counseling was an option for, 
for individuals, but not necessarily for, for families. So I believe that your greatest um, environment for learning and growth happens in family. It, it's your life. It's the life skills that, you know, the outside the classroom education that you learn at home and what you learn at home imprints you for what kind of team player you're going to be in any other team that you are on in your life. So those things are important. And, and I will say, even like me, I had a dysfunctional family, but um, it was a blessing to me because I think it had me dig into answers to overcome that. So it really became my training. The dysfunctional part of my relationship became what trained me to do what I'm doing today and catapulted me into that like hunger to learn and grow and, and get answers. So it doesn't have to be like, the perfect family and the perfect training to sit, you know, you, you can learn from your failures or, or the, or the obstacles or the things you overcome can be just as powerful when you're in family. Yeah, I think that's great. My, one of the things that um, I often tell my clients and the people that I teach is that all healing takes place in the context of a relationship. Yes. We don't do anything individually. That. And so um, that's why the counseling process can be helpful, but I think the fam the process of the family unit, you know, spending time together and, and cause I, I really think we're all asking one question or some version of it. And that is, if you really knew me, if you knew all of it, mm -hmm. what I'm feeling, thinking, experiencing in life, would you love me and accept me? And mm one of our deepest needs is to hear a yes. And our greatest fear is that it will be no. And I think family is the first place that that question can be answered and answered well. Yeah. And so if we can learn how to do family life in a way that is exchanging these yeses that, yes, I love you. I I'm here with you, you know, mm -hmm. um, then that, that brings healing to the broken places within, you know? Yes. Um, I totally agree with that, that it happens in family, but I, I, it was interesting. My journey happened. Like I was always wanting, you know, my mom and I to do this healing together. Um, and I'm happy to say we're completely healed. We have great relationship. She's, we're super close, but, um, but it was a journey to getting to there. And, and part of that journey for me was the Lord saying to me one day, uh, I think my readiness was sooner than hers to address this or just my, I, my desire. Um, the Lord said to me, kind of tapping me on the shoulder one day and said, um, Kristen, you need to let the change begin with you. So that really surprised me. And I think it was, it was even more surprising when he said, go, go invite your parents to dinner and, and all the hurt and pain and, and things that I was feeling like they, like I needed to be, needed to be heard and they needed to understand I'm sitting at the, um, God gets me to the dinner. And then he says, okay, ask them to forgive you. I'm like what? <laughs> so that was the real beginning of my healing journey was to take responsibility for my response, probably more my response, even though I didn't initiate it, I didn't respond well. And I was immature too. So that was the beginning of my journey that, that, um, I needed healing to come back in and not be triggered anymore. And, um, I think it was just over time. And then, and then the Lord did a work in her, her life as well. And that's a cool story. But, um, I think sometimes we can have these expectations that if they don't come to the table with me, it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And um, I, to clarify, you know, I think that sometimes the healing that we receive in relationship isn't going to come through family. You know, it might come in our relationship with God, or it might come mm -hmm. through, through the other people, friends in our lives that show us a different way of relationship. So I think your relationship with yeah, God yeah. is what prompted that. And I think that's amazing, but I'm glad you pointed that out in case our listeners are hearing like, you know, it's, you got to let your family initiate that and start giving you those yeses in order for you to experience right. anything. Because I don't know that that's going to happen in most cases, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How old were you when it, you had that conversation with your parents? I was like 30 years old. So the funny thing it, you're, is we're talking about the imprinting of family. Um, my relationship with my mom was fine because, you know, I got married, I was having my life, 
of course I, I didn't live far from her, but I wasn't in her house anymore. So it sort of diluted some of our connection, you know, our connection. Um, but when I started having kids, it would come, it, it was, it was coming up and then we'd have these arguments and then I'd come home and it would kind of feed into my family. It just, it just wasn't a good situation. So it, it was like, I had three kids in under three years, my third. And I just was like, I cannot do this. I, I'm a, I'm a believer here and I hate who I am. Like I really do. And this is another fun part of the story. My mom started a Bible study outside the church and it was really a prayer time for a lot of missionaries. And for a couple of years, she was like, well, you need to go to this. You need to go to this. And I'm like, then I'm not going to this. Like, really? You need it too. It's not doing much for you. That was part <laughs> of our contentious time. And I just, then she stopped telling me I needed it and just telling me what God was doing in it. And I was like, no way. I couldn't believe it. It was just opening up a whole new world of God's power and my, to, to witness from afar. And I knew that if I ever got there, it was going to change my life. And I literally walked in at the most, the, the least likely time in my life, having three kids under the age of three, I just had my third baby. And I walked in there and I knew I'd never be the same. And I wasn't, and it, something really cool happened there. But the coolest part about that is the, the way back to God was something my mom had created as the instrument to get me there. <laughs> so God wow. used her in my life to bring me closer to him. Um, so it's just so interesting how God uses, you know, he uses everything. You know, I, when I hear your story there, I just think about how in this conversation and people listening, uh, for a lot of people, those wounds from, from their family that have accumulated over time have built up these walls. Um, and it's, and it's almost insurmountable to say like, how can I repair, find repair in this relationship? when I'm so triggered, you know, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. using a lot of counseling lingo, but I'm so triggered when I'm around these people. And, and I don't know when people will listen to this uh, particular episode, but you know, uh, it, it is right around Christmas time, the holidays. And so for some mm -hmm. people they're like, okay, I'm, when I'm reconnecting with my, my extended family here, all these things start to bubble up. And what I hear is that for one thing you felt this sense of God saying, um, I want, I want to call you to this, no matter how your mom or your parents respond. And then also just, just to note that, yeah, those things are all mixed in those, those triggers and the, those reactions, but God is still in the mix of it. And it's incredible how your mom <laughs> is like trying to push you to go to this. Cause she thinks it'll be good and it, it'll help you. And it wasn't until she kind of released some of that before you were yeah. able to even take that step. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really, um, there's just so many layers, layers to that, but, and, and to one of the things you said, you, I had to get healing. Like God pulled me out of the relationship a little bit, um, to heal and to mm -hmm. forgive and to deal with myself before I could go back in. But when I went back in, she wasn't necessarily, the dynamic on her side wasn't necessarily different. And there really was something different. Even my husband will say about how she treated me versus the other three sisters. And it would just come out with me. And I, I, there, I'll never forget the day where one of the patterns was playing out. And then she left the house and I'm like, Oh my word, I wasn't triggered. I did not get sucked in. I totally could separate myself from that and not, identify or you know get sucked in so I just knew that my healing had been complete when I went back in and I was different and I was okay and, I, and then I there was a little bit of grieving for a season of just it not being more of what I wanted ideally because uh, there were still patterns in her life but God took her through a really neat time of healing on on her on her own it was like it was like this sweet Christmas gift one year when she kind of had that that journey on her separate from me, completely independent. Um, and so, yes, I think there's such a, there in family, I think we, we get hurt by the people we love that know us the most, you know, they know our triggers. Um, I think we're most authentically who we are in our family. 
because we just can't hide. I mean, you're there. You can't pretend all the time. So that's why I think family is the best place to learn and grow because mm -hmm. you're most, you, you know, you're more your authentic self. And those crises, if you will, can be this beautiful invitation for growth. And then there's a practical side to it, which is just applying things and having new practices that are a little bit more healthy communication, conflict resolution, things like that, that don't add layers of conflict. So when you can kind of also add that in, um, it can be a really exciting story. So Kristen, I, I love all of that and how the, the relationship ends up in this place where both of you are independently experiencing this reconnection with God and, and on a deeper level. And that you know, there's that's bringing unity in a way that you probably wouldn't have expected. And I'm I'm just interested in where you are in the timeline of are you still consulting for corporations at this point when all of this is happening? Um, what what's going on in your life at that point in time, work wise? Yeah, you know, um, no, I wasn't working. I was. It was like I, I I had the privilege of just being home with my family, but yet I think this was such a training ground for me for working with other families, kind of have my own success story, if you will. Um, first with my family of origin and then, you know, moving into my children. Um, going back to that Dr. Phil story, incidentally, one of my wounds was I didn't know who I was. I have my mom just by nature and I've learned so much more about her wiring and her, her experiences as a young child that affected, you know, how she parented me. Um, like I, anyway, there's a lot that I learned later in life that I didn't know that gave me empathy, but knowing how she was wired and knowing how I was wired was it's, it's like knowing an individual language of somebody. It's like, Oh, Oh my gosh, that's why, like just wanting these answers. Why? So Part of my wounding was not knowing who I was and like my mom just kind of projecting who, you know, just maybe generationally they had ideas for what they thought was best for you. And so I just kind of, when I went to Dr. Phil, you're supposed to get this, I think they called it a contract and you're supposed to kind of make this new decision based on the thing that you're trying to overcome. Well, I never could get my thing. That's why Dr. Phil was in my face at the very end of the whole eight days because I didn't have my thing. And he was feeding me this thing. And I was like, yeah, that's it. That's it. But it really wasn't. And what I learned years later is the reason I couldn't get that answer is because I did, I was there because I was so hungry to know who I was. I didn't have my, it was an identity thing for me. So in the work that I do, and this is more the practical side, and this is what I would encourage your families to do. And there's so many, there's, there's just so many tools and resources out there to get answers practically speaking. Um, and then you combine that with the spiritual side and it's on, you know, it just goes on steroids, but knowing who you are and knowing who your other team members are can be such a game changer. Can I tell you that? Yeah. Can I tell you that story that we learned in our, I think I told this in our, the family blueprint class. Yes. Um, and then, and then I want to share my family culture statement too, but tell the oh, story first. I would love that. Okay. So, um, I was in church one day, long story short, and the person the sermon starts and the person next to me turns to the neighbor and starts talking. And so I'm just getting agitated and I'm like, what? God, what? you know, I thought they were going to finish. They were just settled. What was going on for like 10 minutes? And I'm like, okay, this is getting rude. And now I'm going to have to say something because I'm totally distracted and I can't believe this. And I was just so preoccupied with it. I couldn't pay attention to the sermon, but I didn't want to say anything and be the bad guy sitting there the rest of the time. So I started going into my toolbox and going, okay, why is, why is this happening? This is unusual. So I started listening to understand, which is such an incredibly important tool for families, listening to understand, not to communicate, persuade, convince, but just to ask questions to understand. So I start listening and realize that the man is translating the sermon into Spanish for the woman sitting next to me. Okay. Completely changed the context of what was happening. And I understood what was happening and he wasn't being rude. He was actually being completely selfless. So I could let it go. 
it just didn't bother me anymore. And I think that's what I see happening when you can get these light bulbs with who your family is. It's like, oh my gosh, I understand why they're doing that. But you don't understand it unless you get into their, into their language to kind of uncover how they're interpreting life and what they're, how they're approaching things. So that's a, that's kind of a good analogy for the value in knowing who you are. We want to take a moment and thank Wellspring Process Groups for sponsoring today's episode. Wellspring is an initiative Paul launched at the beginning of 2021 that provides people with a safe place to process the experiences they're facing in life. Whether you're going through challenges or transitions, or if you need a safe group of people to share life with for a season, we invite you to join a Wellspring Process Group. I've been in one of these groups and it's been a life-changing experience for me. I encourage you to go to the show notes right now and contact Wellspring to find out when you can join a process group for yourself. What I'm, what I'm hearing is that the way to have empathy or a way to have empathy with your, your ourselves, but also with our families is to have a, a better grasp of who we are and maybe, maybe some of why are we the way we are, but more just saying like, this is just, this is who we are as a family. And it's not, you know, and, and it's not just the bad stuff about who we are, not just the dysfunction, but these are just qualities of who we are and mm-hmm. to feel some grace around that. And I, all the, the only good personality profiles <laughs> for me are the ones where I can say like, Oh, I feel like I, I understand you a bit more. And so I can have grace, you know, in these friction areas between us, I feel like I can have more grace. And um, one of the things you had us do in this class was Mm -hmm. related to this identity piece for our family. And Mm -hmm. I I want you to talk, tell listeners more about this in, in, in general, but you have families create a family culture statement and it was difficult for julie and i like it we were like if we come up with this culture statement you know how um how how bound are we to this you know like this does have to be perfect we were having a little bit of that that voice it was like oh it has to be the perfect description of your family and um (laughs) you helped us have a little grace just say no it is a work in Mm -hmm. progress so um Uh this is what we came up with uh the mcmullins rooted in prayer we're a family invested in faithfully supporting and loving each other and the people God puts in our life with fun, good humor and creativity. We move at our own pace, making space for the disconnected and staying open to big adventures. And so that's our statement. Yeah. And we've put it on our fridge. And so when we walk up, we can kind of look at it and just even just the start of that, that says rooted in prayer. It's both a reminder of who we are and it, and it's, it's a reminder of, of our value. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it also is just like, yeah, that's who we are. And mm-hmm. um, it, it, it has given us a sense of, um, I think that there's a peace that comes like a settledness and the sense of, yeah, this is who we are. We are fun. We are supportive. We do, we do take our time with some things mm-hmm. and then we, make quick decisions with others. And so I've really enjoyed this and tell me how did, how did you come up with this or, or, and and why you might encourage people to give this a shot? Yeah. So, uh, I think, you know what, it came to me on an airplane when I was sitting next to a person who was, who was coming back from a, a, a corporate conference she went, was attending and she was talking about her corporate culture and that's being in change management. I worked a lot in the culture creation of this new entity for the enterprise, if you will, once the change was finished. And um, I just, it just, something resonated with me where she was just talking about how the entire, it's a big company, how all of the company aligned to this culture. They lived out of it. They referenced it. It was a rallying cry for them. Everybody knew it. And it was just a real point of connection. And it's hard to do that in corporations. It's, it's, 
you know, people spend a lot of money creating culture in their, in their companies. And you see that, like where are the best places to work? It's typically a, a company that has a really good culture, right. That you align with. Um, and to me, going back to that identity piece, the way that I've been proactive to pull it into the process with families is first knowing who you are and your individuals. And then the, the family using, you know, using assessments. And I have a book I want to share with your audience later, but then moving into who is your team. So in, in corporate world, a lot of people do, okay, mission, vision, values. Like that's a very common thing. And you see corporations that have a mission statement, but typically they're very aspirational. They are like what we hope to become. This is what we aspire to be. The problem is, is that if it's an aspirational goal, you, you fall short of it because you're on the journey to becoming that. And so I think it's, I think it's more freeing and life giving, especially for families to think about their identity and who they already are. The culture statement to me is who, who you already are as your team. And it, and it, and it can change from if you're just a unmarried couple, you're going to have a culture statement. And when you have children in the mix, that might change. And then it may change a little when you are an empty nester, but the idea is who you already are, which becomes a rallying cry and something to align to. So for us, one of the elements in our culture statement is that we're countercultural. And it's who my husband and I were before we had kids, but it's also really been such, it's so incorporated into our family. It's been amazing to see how our kids have made countercultural choices for their life because we introduced them to being countercultural. So like one of the things, there, there are a lot of examples I could give you, but we, when we went to Upper Room, for example, it was the, nobody was, it was the third time they were meeting. It's such a, it's such a long story, but we go there and it was not church. Um, it was weird. It was different. Not very many people. We couldn't quite, you know, no, no structure around it. And, um, but God led us there and, you know, fast forward, it's this thriving church now. And our kids have been through every iteration of that basically like a church plant they were a part of and we went because the lord directed us there but what we're realizing is that he it was more for them than it was for us we were just hungry for more and it ended up being for them none of our friends in our community go there none of their friends were in youth group with them but doing that and having a taste of what it was like to do something against the grain if you will from like their norm showed them how possible it was and how great it was. And they um, they weren't afraid to take risks and step outside of the norms, like in for their college decision, or, you know, my daughter took a gap year. I mean, there were just a lot of things that I just feel like the culture of our family gave them permission to, to not make it so scary for them, or, you know, it was just kind of their norm. It's who we were. So, you know, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But no, go I, ahead. Well, I mean, you just you're triggering so many thoughts, and you know, um, one of the things that um, Melissa, my wife, and I adopted early on, we haven't done a culture statement as beautiful as Paul and Julie's, um, <laughs> but we plan. I'll I'll plan for us to do one. And, I'll help you out. I'll help okay. you. Okay, mm -hmm. thank you. I, it wouldn't be Kristen that would help us, right? It'd be you. <laughs> I just want it to be beautiful. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know, one of the things that we adopted early on is like our kids, when they were young, you know, they would, um, they'd have friends who would be maybe super competitive and, you know, mm -hmm. say you're, you're, I'm so much better than you. And, you know, they would, they would talk down to them and our kids would, be struggling with how to deal with that and so they as they process that with us i would we would say you know other people may act like that but shelby's don't act that way yes yeah. you know um and so not to say that not to say it in an arrogant way that we're better than other people but to say don't don't pattern your life 
in a way that is demonstrated just by anyone out there, you know? And so in these, in these teachable moments, that's how we would use a way to distinguish between what we expected out of our kids and what, um, and, and what we expected them not to do. Because even within Christian community, mm-hmm. people have different values and they'll operate different ways. So it, it's difficult. You can't just say Christians don't act like that because they do in some, yeah. uh, in some cases, you know? Um, so uh, it was important for us to, to label that distinction. Is that kind of what you're Absolutely, getting? Absolutely. Because the idea, you know, the term keeping up with the Joneses, um, kids will, once they get into their developmental stages where they're taking cues from their peers more than their parents they'll come home with why don't we do that why aren't we like them which is similar to what you're saying you know, you start the comparing game and that's the point of the culture statements like well that's who they are and this is who we are so it's not a better than like you're saying it's more of a this is just the rallying cry this is just who we are we just happen to be unique in this way and maybe that's how they are but we're not the same people. So in the class, I think the culture statement's always the favorite exercise because it, I love the quote, someone said, doing this freed me to be the parent that I am versus making me feel like I'm falling short of the parent I'm supposed to be. That's that's the idea is just to embrace who you are as, as your God-given identity, you know, and letting all the other things go. Um, and rallying around your strengths and that's strengths finder. It's kind of a business concept as well, but playing to your strengths and not trying to cover every base, you know, you can only that's be so good. Yeah. So many things. That's so good. Yeah. And I, I'm just thinking for so many there, there we have more information on parenting mm-hmm. and ways to parent than mm-hmm. ever before you know there's a new yep. parenting expert that pops up um mm-hmm. weekly and i i mean I, who knows how many podcasts there are on how to be a good parent so people are getting all of this information they're flooded with it and and these ec- experts are all saying different things you know and so mm-hmm. i i really love the idea of anchoring people to their god-given gifts versus some type of expectation that exists mm-hmm. external to them that they need to be striving towards yeah. you know um letting letting christ be the external expectation right yep. and internal yeah to be reformed and reshaped by him in relationship with him but when that happens your gifts become highlighted they they elevate versus like you become a different person right? Like it's, it's more of who you are is exposed in that. Um, and so I love the, how you're calling people to that. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the, I do have this online course I developed for just families that I can't necessarily coach one-on-one with, and it's, it's your family blueprint and it's a process. It's not a how to parent. It's a, you personalize your process that works for you. That's what, that's what we did with Paul. And, um, it was so much fun being in that class because it was so life-giving. I felt like you, you can speak to it more than I can, but we've done like the re-engage marriage thing where, you know, people are coming in with, with needs and and challenges and it was kind of heavier. This was so life-giving. And I feel like we don't get enough encouragement to just be who we are and run with it and, and be intentional to think it through. And that's, that's the concept of just going through this process is personalizing it. That's just brings life to your family in that way. So I don't know, Paul, you might have some thoughts on what it was like to go through the process versus how to parent, which incidentally I have had to go through a, a forgiveness exercise with two of my kids from reading parenting expert books that wounded them because I took the advice of the experts and it was not the right advice because it didn't fit us. I mean, it was really interesting. Yeah. Well, that I, I mean, we could, we could do a whole podcast on this, but it deep, when you decontextualize your family Mm. and you try to make it, you know, make these, these processes applicable across the board to every single person versus Mm -hmm. letting 
letting their own processes come alive and you're taking into account your personality, their personality, those types of things that indeed when we decontextualize ourselves, it can create all kinds of, mm. of havoc. And I love um, how you said that. And, and so one of the questions and Paul, you may be, you may want to speak to the class, but one of the questions that I had just as we're kind of moving into what you do the most basic thing that you talked about starting with is knowing who you are. Mm -hmm. And and I would imagine that that is a, a message that you're speaking to every member of the family. Like we want to help mm -hmm. you identify who you are. So I'm curious for our listeners, mm -hmm. what does that mean to you to, for someone to know who they are? Cause that, if that's the foundational piece, I think that's would be really important to understand. Right. Um, well, clearly there's a spiritual component to that, which is your identity in Christ, it's a daughter or a son or a co-heir, you know, all the things God says, but then there's you as an individual. And I, I'm, I'm crazy about most assessments. They have different things for different purposes. Um, and one of the ones I use is the disc assessment because it's the most portable language. Like when people do Myers-Briggs, if you've learned a about that. It's just hard to remember your own, much less somebody else's. So when you're working in a team, it's like, I need quick language to kind of have some context, not putting somebody in a box. That's not what this is about, but just having an awareness of how they approach things. So think of it like this. Think of sitting around a table with like a beach ball that has the colored stripes on it. And so Paul, if you're sitting over here, you're seeing orange, Kevin, you might see blue and I might see green. That's what it's like on any team to to, to have a conversation. And if you're only looking at your color and your context, you're going to really miss understanding the orange and, you know, the other colors that are represented there. So I'd be wrong um, to argue that blue is the right color to see. That's right. That's okay. right. So, um, so one of the ones I use is the disc and why I like that is because, uh, we use the animals to describe the different, um, the different, the four different kind of personality types, if you will. And there's a really good book for young children. It was my children's favorite book. It's called The Treasure Tree. And they use the, and, and we do this with my more formalized, you know, um, on the computer, you know, where people take, take the assessment, but they either, they're either a, a lion an otter, a golden retriever, or a beaver. And the treasure tree talks about those animals and they tell their story and kind of what their world's like. So kids can begin to identify with just kind of how, how they're, how they're wired by nature, how God kind of wired them in a broad way. And it's really fun for them. And you see as a parent, what are they identifying with about these animals? You know, what are, what are the things? Have y'all done that, Paul? Yeah, I I, <clears throat> I have, and I had a coworker that I worked with that would always describe himself, I think, as an otter with a lion's tail. <laughs> and, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and so I was like, "Well, I'm a I'm a golden retriever with an otter's head." <laughs> oh, that is so. So cute. you get you get some weird animals that. there, but um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that it can be helpful as, as like like you said, as a shorthand, just to say like, yes. "Well, I'm I'm approaching this." in this way and and i do think like the caveat of um this doesn't have to pigeonhole you in mm -hmm. in certain ways that either make you feel less than or make you or give you know I, I think one of the things even from a discipleship standpoint um we've heard peter lewis at, at uh, upper room mention this like uh it doesn't give you excuse to to know yourself and say like well i I don't have to grow in this way, or I don't have to operate in, and help in this way. Cause that's not my gift. That's not my personality. It, right. it doesn't relinquish one from, from discipleship and growth, but it is, it can, it can help again. Like my perspective is it's that empathy to say, okay, you're looking at the ball from a different direction. And if I appreciate that, we're going to actually um, we're going to be more optimized. We're going to work better mm -hmm. as a family. We're going to work better as a team because we're drawing from each other's strengths instead of 
like how stupid of a way to look at, you know, like, no, you're wrong. I'm going to convince you of, of my color, like Kevin was saying. And I think the more um, you can go into, and I think the hard part there is that usually those difference, the differences don't become as apparent when we're all agreeing on something or it's not very important. But it's like whenever something comes up and we have those differences and the friction comes up first, like the first, uh, at least my experience is often the friction of we differ about something. And so my defense or my, you know, for me, my passive aggressive, how can I figure out how to get across this without making anybody too upset um, comes up rather than just that empathetic voice of like, okay, we're seeing things from different perspectives and I want to be a good listener here. And I don't know any, any, uh, tricks for how to, <laughs> how to grow in our character to listen more. Yeah. I, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause one of the most, the biggest game changing tools, um, that I use with families all the time, it's an active listening tool. You can look it up on YouTube. It's safe conversations and it's, and it's, um, Harville and Helen Hunt and they, this into corporate America. So they've taken it from the counseling, like family setting into corporate America, which is so interesting to me because that's, that's been my journey, but it's listening to understand. Like if you look at that book, the seven habits of highly effective people, it's have, it's got over 40 million copies. It's one of the most iconic books and people will refer to that book. They'll refer to a habit in that book, whether they've read the book or not. Like if you've heard of begin with the end in mind. I just saw it written in an article the other day. Most people understand that that concept, even if they haven't read the book. So one of the seven habits in that book is communicate to understand. It's really, we just don't do it, which means you have a speaker and a listener. So when it comes to personality, this is how I say it. Presumptive parenting is speaking to you from my context only, but an intentional parent is not, it's not child focused. It's not, sorry, it's not child centered, but it is child focused. So what that means is disconnecting from my language to speak to my child in their language and and how to connect with them. When you're talking about connection, you're going to connect better when you're speaking that person's language. And Yes, there's these four quadrants of personality, but even to your point, there's as many personalities as there are people out there. Like everyone has their own unique design. Nobody's the same. So there's so many nuances and studying each other to understand each other and how to connect based on how to speak to someone in their language. We overlook that a lot. So asking probing questions, getting curious, you know, when it comes to parenting, those difficult, even middle school teenage years is like, we presume to know why something happened versus spending about 10 minutes asking questions to just make sure we understand what was going on with them. Cause there have been many times where I've done that, where I'm like, Oh my gosh, I, it happened in our class. Paul knows one of those funny stories we had, we're like, I have no idea why, why our daughter did this. There is just no way that makes sense in any in any context. And we were like heated about it. Well, we go back and start asking probing questions instead of making assumptions. And she gives us a completely different context that was like, this is what the Lord was showing me kind of thing where you're like, oh my gosh, that's like the best case scenario. Uh, We would have never come up with that being your reason, but it was just so beautiful um, to see, but also it helped Take a layer of conflict for us not to just assume we knew exactly why she did something. In families, we make assumptions all the time. Instead of we may we may be we may be right, but you don't know until you get their input. You know, so I recently did this uh, workshop for our church that we're going through some transition, and we were talking about. Um, conflict and and conflict management and so in in preparing for that i did i read some articles did some research on just communication in general and um and so some things that i learned about communication were that the majority of for the majority of people 50 percent of communication is misinterpreted and 
people that are not more (laughs) well well what i would say is um 100 of communication is misinterpreted but 50 percent of it we're close to understanding what somebody says but you know one the reason i would say 100 percent is because you will never receive a message that i send exactly as i intend for you to receive it yeah ever now you may get pretty close in understanding, but the words that I use, the inflection that I use, all of that, you're, there's some nuance to that that you're not going to get exactly the way that I intended. So we should just assume at the onset that we're mm-hmm. not we're not grasping what somebody's trying to communicate to us from the beginning, right? But right. what gets us in trouble is is when we do the reverse, when we think we know exactly what they're saying. And that's where right. conflict really starts to spiral out of control. Two conflict is two people trying to be understood by the other person. You know, that's right. Yeah, back to what you were saying in the very beginning. That right. What we want in family is to be heard and understood on a heart level. That is that, like our biggest need. That's exactly right. So I mean, I I love this tool that you're that you're giving families to say, you know, and I I recognize Stephen Covey talked about it a long time ago, but I mean saying this doesn't just apply to a bit to business relationships you know it the most important place to practice this is within the family is to say mm-hmm. am i listening to you so that i can respond or am i listening so i can understand that's yeah. very helpful that's really yeah. helpful. yeah Kristen, before we um pressed record you were talking about kind of your vision of why family is so important culturally in the kingdom of God. Could you speak Mm. to that a little bit? Yeah. So it's been, you know, as I've kind of chosen this field of family to really invest in, um, I've been invited to some things and there was a meeting I went, I got in Detroit and it was somebody looking at really Detroit had gone through a, um, a tough situation where a lot of people had left the economy. They were just, they, the, like you would walk, you would drive down these streets and there'd just be deserted entire neighborhoods. And they were trying to understand where the breakdowns were happening to, to help transform and, and bring new life to this community. So we were, you know, there was a Harper professor there. There were all these experts there. And I'm sitting here the whole time, literally going, why am I here? Why was I invited? Like, I feel, I felt so um, underqualified to be sitting at the table with all these impressive people. And so we get in a room with some local people that were really invested in rebuilding the the community. And um, we asked the question, you know, what happened here? What happened? What were the cause? What was the cause of this breakdown? And my, uh, my assumption going back to the assumption thing was I was expecting them to say, well, the economy or jobs or drugs, or, you know, all these things contributed to the breakdown and without hesitation, and this is a seasoned man in the community that had a ton of experience. And he said, hands down, it's the breakdown in the family. I'm like, that got my attention. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's why I'm here. And it just shocked me. And I keep hearing this over and over and over that the breakdown of the family is what's causing a lot of our challenges today. So, you know, going back, I mean, your family was God's idea. And I think that especially going into the holidays and we were talking about just the, the challenges that family can bring. But I would say to anybody, like your tendency is to want to like, and I talked to especially high school kids, like I was like, they can't wait to bust out of their house and like not look back, you know, cause it's, it's difficult or, or frustrating. And there are some, you know, situations that aren't healthy, but for the most part, it's just, you know, people just do not want to con- deal with conflict. They do not want to confront things or repair things because it's, it's difficult and it can be challenging, but it's the invitation for growth. It was, it was, you know, God didn't let me alone. He brought it back to me at age 30, the patterns that I was dealing with at age 18 that I thought I could walk away from, but they were just playing back out in my own family. And, um, I think it was his way of saying, you know, this is unresolved. If you can resolve it here, this is your, you know, and it's typically it's, it is even, I mean, even I've seen people that have really 
toxic relationships with their parents, but kids want a relationship with their parents and they're pretty forgiving. Um, they want connection back to their family of origin. So um, I, if, I guess I would just encourage people and, you know, it typically comes up. You can, you can ignore it until like Christmas comes or in a lot of cases with my clients, a wedding happens and it just brings up all the, I call emotional clutter that is in the trash can that wasn't emptied. You know, you got to empty the, the emotional clutter at some point. And um, it can be a really uh, conflict is growth waiting to happen. Conflict brings intimacy. So avoiding it just, short circuits, maybe a process that God wants you to, to dive into to bring that's healing really, and health and wholeness. That's really good. And, you know, um, man, you, you've been, you've given us so many different things to consider and to, you know, point people towards it. It's been really rich. And as we're kind of getting to the point where we need to wrap it up, I'm, I'm, thinking if I'm a listener mm -hmm. and the, this is the first time I really thought about these things. Um, I'd be, I'd be itching to ask the question. Okay. Kristen, I have this intense family time together over the holidays. Uh, -huh. uh and I can, I, I could use that to leverage moving into some of these changes, mm -hmm. you know, where do I start? Mm. I would, would say, one thing, just one thing and, and make it a small, tangible, doable, achievable thing that you, one step forward. It doesn't have to necessarily, you don't necessarily have to arrive at the outcome or the destination, take the journey and take one small step towards that outcome that you're hopeful, hopeful for. Um, and I would say, ask the Lord what that first step is what's my first step to move towards something that I've been wanting to avoid or haven't been wanting to address. Um, and it can be very small. And if you take a small step and you're successful, it's going to encourage you to take the next small step. If we try to set ourselves up for the full boat, we, you know, we set ourselves up for failure when we, when we fall short of that. So I like inching towards the outcome by taking the journey versus thinking it has to look this way and anything short of that's failure. Yeah. That's me. You know, like the, my, my, um, new year's resolutions, I'll have yep. like a list of about 30, you know, very specific goals that I'm going to implement in the new year, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we know where that leads. Right. So instead of saying, I'm going to overhaul everything, we're going to have all the conversations we're going to do. We're going to do everything so that in the new year, we look perfect as a family instead yeah. say just pick one just yep. pick one thing that the lord brings to your mind as a initial launching point into this is this is where we need some healing or growth as a family yeah and only focus on what you can control right so if you're trying to move towards a difficult relationship don't get discouraged if it's not received you're doing your part you're doing 100% what you should be doing um, by trying to move toward and reconcile, they may not be ready and be okay with detours and let that teach you, okay, how do I recalibrate my approach or how do I, how do I make an edit here on that next step? Um, I think we can give up if things don't look, if we don't have that quick win really quickly, but sometimes it just gives us, we just go back to the drawing board and go, okay, that didn't work. What else can work? And I just think people give up so easily when those things can be just as informative to teach you something, you know, what doesn't work as, as well as when you have success. Oh, thank you for that, Kristen. That that's great. That is so tangible, just to, something to hold on to. And if people want to know more about what you do or, or contact you for, for help, for advising, um, where should, where, where can we direct them? So my, my website's kristenparker.com. P-R-I-S-T-I-N-R.com. Um, and then I would say, um, you have to go to this is a different one cause it's not a public one, but it's 
kristenparker.com slash blueprint is the, is the family blueprint course. That's an online course. And I'm just making that available. My verse for that is my people perish for lack of vision. And I think it's, it's a great way to personalize a vision for your family that you have and give you some real exciting things to move toward, um, in a real facilitated way. Uh, and it's, it's, I just, I wanted to make that accessible for everyone. Cause I, I'm just, it's got a workbook and videos and you can, you can do that. Or you can come to Dallas in the summer. I teach it. at Upper <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Come on over. Um, well, thank you for that. Thank you so much. And we'll have, we'll have all that in our show notes and some other resources, maybe some books that Kristen recommends and some that she mentioned in our mm-hmm. conversation here, but we just want to say thank you. Thank you for being available and just thank you for sharing your story and your passion for families and, and the journey God has had you on for helping equip us um, for how to take that yeah. next intentional step. Well, yeah, thank I, you, Kristen. I love it. I love having conversations that can bring life-giving hope to people. So I um, thanks for having me. It, it blessed me too. Thanks for joining us today. Check out the show notes for helpful resources and ways to connect with Kristen's work. You'll also find our email address there and we welcome you to share your feedback with us. Let us know what topics you're interested in and we'll try to explore those in future episodes. If you've got a story of disconnection and connection that you'd like to share, please connect with us. We'd love to hear it. Special thanks to Cheyenne Metters for providing our music. And thanks to Wellspring Process Groups for sponsoring this episode. As always, please follow us on whichever podcast service you're using, and please drop a review to let people know if this has been helpful for you. We'll see you next time.